This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupwithatruth.com. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in, for sharing the podcast, for your prayers. And I said good morning. I know a lot of you listen later in the day. You download the podcast, even on different days. So whenever you happen to be listening right now, God bless you. I've got Jelaine Appling to talk about a very important subject today, actually many subjects. And we are going to tackle agendas, elections, judges, courts, and consequences Also, Mary and I, in the second half of the podcast, there's some, well, I'll just say it, it's disturbing. There's some headlines and some articles we're going to cover, a lot of it having to do with the horrific, depraved state of government-run education in America. Uh, One article we find that's very relevant to this conversation today, 13 numbers that show how dramatically we have failed America's children. Also, end of American sovereignty, the Biden regime negotiated a legally binding deal that will give Chinese-backed World Health Organization, the WHO, full authority over the United States' pandemic policies. No Senate approval needed. And also, an 80-year-old Harvard study reaffirms a key key to a happy and healthy life, our relationships, family included, and over in Queensland, over in Australia, this is amazing. Police say a recent shooting is a terrorist attack motivated by premillennialism. That's right. Christians who believe in that particular doctrine, and uh, we'll talk about what that means and how they are framing uh, Bible-believing Christians as the radicals, even in other countries and continents. But right now, I want to bring in Jelaine Appling. Uh, to speak with Mary and I this morning about a very important day here in Wisconsin. Uh, we've got elections going on. Um, Mary, um, well, I'm, let me just finish here. Uh, President of Wisconsin Family Council, Jelaine's been there since 1997. She's been on the podcast many, many, many times. I encourage you to check out Wisconsin Family Council and or Wisconsin Family Action. And Jelaine, we appreciate your voice in on this on these topics. So thank you for coming back on the podcast. Oh, listen, it's an honor to join you folks, and thank you for your faithful ministry. Uh, speaking of being a voice for truth, and I uh, can't imagine doing this without you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm looking at a recent Capital Connection that you send out from Wisconsin Family Action. Uh, the heading is, What Makes the Spring Wisconsin Supreme Court Race So Critical? And there are so many things, but let's just start with the balance of the court is currently four to three, and uh, Jelaine, just just take it from there and, and just share with those who are, well, people don't know across the country what's happening in Wisconsin, but I hope people that are local and regional know uh, in this state what's happening today. Well, David and Mary, listen, what's so phenomenal about this election is that we are the election in this country for this year. All mm-hmm. over this country, news media have figured out that how this election goes, today's the primary, the general election is on Tuesday, April 4th, is really uh, not just about Wisconsin, but it is about what we're looking at across the country. So I I had a a British broadcasting um, reporter sit across from my desk last week, come in and talk to me about this race. New York Times is talking about it. Hmm. Um, It is 
It's insane how much attention this race is getting. And it's largely because of what you just talked about, David. It's about the balance of the court. Right now, we lean conservative, okay? It doesn't always go that way, but right. it's a, we're a seven-member court, 10-year terms. And by the way, I want to say right up front, 10-year terms. Think of the impact a 10-year mm-hmm. term does. Mm. And it's not just for 10 years when you're talking about judicial decisions, yeah. right? Yeah. It's it's real much longer. So so we got a seven-member court, usually tips four to three conservative. Of course, Brian Hagedorn um, is a – his name has now become a verb about being Hagedorned um, because <laughs> he, got, he got in under the pretenses of being conservative and has really <laughs> – left the paddock and gone elsewhere more than once. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so Pat Rogensack, who is a current justice, has served two 10-year tw- two terms. She's not running again. She is mostly conservative. Mostly. She doesn't defect very often. Okay. So what's <laughs> happening is we have this open seat. And now we have four candidates who are running for this open seat. Two are liberal, two are more conservative. One is definitely conservative. The other is a promise and, uh, and her word, but nothing to, nothing. We don't have anything to back it up, um, at this point. But so, so whether the liberal, if the liberals win, that balance suddenly shifts to four to three liberal. I mean, it turns right away. Now, by right away, I want to clarify, especially for Wisconsin people, the term of office for our Supreme Court justices ends July 31st. We elect them in April, but they don't take office until August 1. Hmm. So the court, as it is currently composed, will stay just like it is, barring a resignation or something like that, um, through July 31st of this year. And then whoever wins on April 4th will be um, inaugurated into and installed and take the vow or the oath of office, excuse me, on, on around August 1st. So, so that's what's at stake. And, and as a result of the balance of the court being at stake, you name it, hmm. that issue is on the ballot. Well, let's, let's talk about some of the other things, including, um, you know, what, what happened recently? They overturned last year, they overturned Roe v. Wade at the federal level, the U.S. Supreme Court. What would happen in Wisconsin if the, the balance goes back to the left and the liberals? Well, quite honestly, so, so David and Mary, you guys have seen the ads that are just, you know, running here in advance of today. <laughs> Um, you've heard all the talk. We have this at least one candidate who is out there saying, hey, you should vote for me because I'm going to make sure a woman has the right to choose. I'm going to restore. I mean, she's been very bold. Yep. I, I'm going to restore abortion rights. I think what that re, re, um, um, equates to is I think that court is poised. Should we have a liberal win on April 4th? to find a, quote, right to abortion in our state constitution. At a minimum, I think what you see is they will overturn and revoke the 1849 ban on abortion that we have that is currently being enforced. Hmm. Because there was a lawsuit. You remember um, Dobbs' decision came down on June 24th, that, that Friday. And the following Tuesday, Governor Evers and Attorney General Josh Call filed a lawsuit against the enforcement of the 1849, what we call a pre-row law, uh, banning most abortions in Wisconsin. And yep. that case is just now. It, and, and by the way, I think the reason they're waiting and taking so long, because come on, it was filed in Dane County. They, they should. <laughs> what, what would you expect? I, I don't know about you guys, but I expected an injunction. 
Well, by Friday of that week, saying you can't enforce it. So, Go ahead, Ju- David. yeah, Jelaine, for pe- show. for people that are <laughs> that are out of outside the state, w- explain what you mean by Dane County and the little uh, giggle after that. Well, Dane County is the um, heart of Madison. Well, I should say Madison is the heart of Dane County. It is um, where our you know most liberal group of people live. It's a liberal conclave, and in the judicial. Um, level in Dane County. I don't know of a conservative judge. I know of some that are a little bit more moderate, but I don't know a conservative one. So when when they filed this lawsuit, they filed it here in Dane County. So I expected with a liberal judge getting this case that he or she would say, all right, I got the case on Tuesday. And oh, by the way, on Friday, I looked at it and you cannot enforce this uh, 1849 law while this court case is working it while this lawsuit is working its way through the courts. Didn't you expect that, David, Mary? Mm -hmm. And it didn't happen. And I honestly believe that, number one, I believe God is protecting us because every day that we can enforce that law, babies are being saved. Yes, lives are being saved, yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that tremendous? And women are are spared the trauma of, of of the horrific act of abortion. But I think what their strategy is in looking at it, I think they are just holding it until and and hoping that they will win that liberal seat on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And then they'll put that case up there and it'll be a slam dunk. Uh, look, th- 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 if the liberals do anything, they strategize. They plan. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah they Absolutely. do. You bet. So, yeah. Uh, host of other issues out there, too. Yeah. I-, I was... Um, I was aware that this was coming up uh, for quite a while now, but with the headlines I'm seeing, I guess I didn't realize that it had such uh, an important um, aspect to it. You know, it says this a political article says the most important election nobody's ever heard of. So this country <laughs> is starting to, you know, wake up to what's going on, that Wisconsin is a critical swing state. But part of this article says the 2023 Wisconsin Supreme Court race is the most important election that no one's ever heard of, said Ben Winkler the chair of the state Democratic Party. It has implications that will affect (laughs) national politics, national politics for years to come uh, at every level of government. I mean, I don't, I didn't expect that when I first started to look into this. How will it affect national politics for years to come? Do you have any insight on that? Well, it, it will set some judicial precedent, Mary. You know, um, so when it, when one state takes an action on a particular issue, then it, and it, they put an opinion in place, and other courts will go and use that opinion and cite uh-huh. it as an authority. Mm-hmm. And courts are so blessedly dependent upon precedent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this and at the U.S. Supreme Court, especially the stare decisis and, you know, bad law can continue ad infinitum under that principle. Right. But um, but that's really how it will, because other people will look and say, oh, look what happened in Wisconsin. Look what their Supreme sure. Court did. And it, so it does have national. And it also says uh, in the same article, it's becoming clear the Democrats want to use the Supreme Court as a vehicle to circumvent legislators <laughs> who actually make policy decisions. So now we're adding more gas to that fire. And what a disaster that could turn out to be. Well, of course. And look, this this is this is what I, when I talk about the strategy of the liberals. What they realize here in Wisconsin is we have this split government, right? We have a governor who is in their camp, but he is, he is, um, his, his reach is restricted. Why? Because we have our assembly and our Senate is the majority in both of those houses is squarely in the Republican camp. I mean, the 
by, by the way, there's also a special election for a new state senator over in our 8th Senate district today. When a Republican wins that area, that, that race in April, that will actually be a veto-proof majority in our state Senate. And we have solid majority of Republicans over in the assembly. So, so the liberals look at it and say, okay, I can't get anything done through the legislature. Mm-hmm. So what's my best r- route? It's to go through those courts. Mm-hmm. Listen, they are salivating over this. They are spending millions and millions of dollars. Um, mm-hmm. I have heard numbers of north of 25 to 30 million dollars will wow. be spent on this race in Wisconsin. This race that oh. no one's heard of. Yep. Wow. Unbelievable. And it's some other things that could be affected. Uh, should the court go south, meaning left, um, and <laughs> um, references to mother and father, uh, gender-specific family relation words, specific pronouns, these will be prohibited in official documents. Biological males will be allowed to participate in girls' and women's athletic contests, as you write in the Capital Connection, and the parental choice programs. Voucher programs mm. will be eliminated. These are just a few of the consequences mm. that this could have. Well, David, I'm really glad you brought up the parental choice programs. You know, we have Milwaukee, Racine, and now we have a statewide program. And you were talking about the rest of the show. You're going to be ta- you and Mary are going to be talking about um, what's going on in our public schools. I want to make sure people understand that right now, right now, February, March, and into early April, our people in Wisconsin have the window. The window is open for them to apply for the school choice program if they income qualify. That. And, and other educational freedom options we have in this state. So folks, don't, don't miss that. Just pay attention to it. And if what you're going to hear later in the program scares the living daylights out of you, find an option mm-hmm. and, and find out why you still can. Because I look, Governor Evers is no fan of any kind of school choice. The only kind of good, uh, only good school according to him is public school. That's where our Supreme Court is with the liberal faction. They don't think it's right that taxpayer money is used to follow the student to the private school that is participating in a choice program. Many of them are religious. There's no question in my mind that if this issue, if, if the court flips, that this issue will be before the Supreme Court here in our state. There is just no question. Look, I, I, I fought all my life not to be a conspiracy theorist. But <laughs> well, that's, that how's ended. that working for you? Yeah, that, that ended in recent years. <laughs> well, reality slapped you in the face. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. I think they already have these cases. Now, some people say I'm, I give them too much credit, but I see things happen too often to believe otherwise. I think they're already sitting on lawsuits that they are prepared or are preparing yeah. to file, getting their plaintiffs in order and, you know, making sure they have the right defendants named. And as, and if the, if the liberal wins on April 4th and then takes office on August 1st, I look for those lawsuits to start streaming in shortly after mm. August 1st. Yeah. And, and, and they're, look, that's how they operate. They, they see this as an opportunity. They're willing to spend the money. They're willing to go out and get their people to the polls. T- today and April 4th is all about voter turnout. Somebody asked me the other day, what's the likelihood of two liberals winning today? <clears throat> because we have four candidates mm-hmm. on the ballot, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, it is, it is, there is a probab- there is a possibility. I don't think it's a high probability, mm-hmm. but there is a possibility. Course, Depends yeah. on who turns out today. Yes. Yes. Mm. And, um, 
You know, that's that's so important to talk about this because a, a lot of people are going, geez, another election. But but the <laughs> yeah. left seems to be more driven and more yeah. committed to their agenda than conservatives, Christians, Republicans are to maintaining what, it, what it, religious freedom, some form or semblance of biblical morality and just family things that support the family. Uh, don't you find that, Jelaine? Well, David, you've heard me say this before, and I believe it. I, I, and it's sad, I, but I truly do believe it. I believe liberals are, in general, more committed to their ideology and worldview and more passionate about making a difference according to that worldview and ideology than we as Christians are. Yeah. We're the ones with truth. Yes, absolutely. We're the ones who say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We're the ones that say God created life. We're the ones that say God made man um, in his image, distinctly yes. male and distinctly female. Amen. And, and yet we don't seem to be willing to, mm. to stand firm on that truth and unashamedly, but with grace and with love, tell people the truth and go to the polls and vote on truth and, and stand in the marketplace and proclaim the truth. Look, these folks are, these folks are unashamed of what they believe. Absolutely yep. unashamed. Yeah. And in fact, I, I was just listening to Al Mohler on my way in on his the briefing, and um, I, I tell you, he was talking about drag queen races and you know how the media presents these things. Why is that so hard for us as Christians to say? Not in my public library, right. yeah, exactly. Why, not in my city park. Right. Yeah. Well, how is it? You know. I, so I know this is a digression, but I'm telling you, if we ever find a way to put a law together that bans those kinds of of horrible, quote, entertainment in public venues where children could be. I will guarantee you, if our Supreme Court flips from, from conservative to liberal, that law will be deemed unconstitutional. Hmm. Now, they build these things as family-friendly, right? Would you please ah. tell me what in the world is family-friendly about a man dressing like a woman in exaggerated ways? Oh, Julianne, we all know they've redefined that meaning of family friendly, just like they've redefined gender. They've redefined truth, and uh, it is what they they say it is now. They they redefine. One thing I wanted to ask you about is um, you said you are going to be uh, on the Charlie per- Kirk podcast today, Turning Point USA. Charlie Kirk is that at lunch hour and is that live? And tell us more. I- I, that's what I've been told. I said I think I I think I'm on for, uh, about. I think I started like a little afternoon mm-hmm. and go for 10 to 12 minutes or something like that with Charlie. Awesome. Um, we're going to talk about the Supreme Court race. I'm really okay. honored to do that. Of course, Charlie comes to our lead Wisconsin camp each year and spends an afternoon with us mm-hmm. and, and talks to our, you know, the, the hundred and some teens that we, that are coming to our lead camp. By the way, registration for that's open. <laughs> what is the lead camp? Oh, our lead camp is a Christian worldview and leadership camp built on a platform of government and civics. And we build it on a platform of government and civics because it gives these kids an opportunity to wrestle with, <clears throat> excuse me, wrestle with ideas, to deal with arguments, to work on debate, to work in, in committees and uh, get talk about leadership and do uh, public speaking. We take them to the Capitol for public hearings on Wednesday, and then we take them back to the Capitol on Friday. They go on the assembly floor. They vote on real Wisconsin bills. They hold up their arguments. They make their speeches. And um, so Charlie comes, we, we and we do worldview is the real emphasis 
And this this year, Charlie, uh, Charlie, Charlie will be there, but also main our world's view speaker is um, Carl Kirby with Reasons for Hope. Yep. David, if you haven't had him on your program, you need to get him he, on there. He's been on. We need to have him back. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's awesome, and he's a dear friend of ours. So he's coming back. He came our first year. We had Joseph back home from Family Research Council, and uh, last year he did an awesome job. Carl's coming back with six new sessions for us this year. So leadwi.org, us 13 to 19 year olds. Awesome. Uh, we have our our um, capacity this year is 135. We have a Senate track, an Assembly track, and a media track. You have to, newcomers go to the Assembly track. Alumni go to either the Senate or the media track. And um, we've already got um, over 60 young people registered for this year. Great. So, wow, Great. that's amazing. So, so yeah, Charlie. You know, Charlie comes and talks to to them with his unique message as the the young man yep. that's speaking to the youth, right? Mm-hmm. You know, earlier you were talking about uh, the shameful things that, that the left really flaunts in people's faces. And I think Christians have a hard time believing that a lot of these things, there's just such depravity on the left in so many ways. Christians have a hard, hard time believing or understanding uh, how this can possibly be. And I think sometimes uh, Christians can be intimidated by that. But the Bible warned us, what are those who call good evil and evil good? And we shouldn't be surprised by that. But in light of the, the incredible difference between we who have the truth and those who just seem so utterly depraved, let me ask you, Julaine, what can people do? What can, if Christians decide that they want to be proactive about some of these things, what can they do um, you know, for WFC's, uh, everything that you guys are doing, whether it's the, whether it's the, you know, lead Wisconsin or anything like that, what do you suggest people do, even if it's nothing? What can they do? Well, you know, there's just so much we can do. And so, by the way, our spring election here in Wisconsin is our nonpartisan election. So, this year we have a Supreme Court race. It's the only statewide race. But what we have going on behind the scenes is school board members being elected, city council members, county board members, um, uh, municipal judges, district court judges, and, and mayors and all of that. And one of the most significant things about how we structure our government in this country, Mary, is that the unit of government closest to us has the most impact on us, and we can have the most impact on that unit of government, and that's local government. So I always tell people, you need to know what's happening in your community. You need to know what's going on in your school district. You need to know what's going on in your city council or village or town board. You need to understand who those people are and what the issues are. And and I know a lot of people say, oh, all these issues in in Madison and Milwaukee and other places are never coming here. Baloney. (laughs) Yes, they are. Thank you. They're coming coming here. They're here. They're not coming. They are here. Yeah. Good point, David. They're here. They just may not be bubbling all the way to the surface, but believe me, they're there. So plug into those things. Second thing I would say is become a a committee of one in your church to make sure that you are keeping people around you informed of these issues. You know, get get good resources. We're not the – well, unfortunately, in Wisconsin, outside of our friends at Christian Radio, like you folks at Q90 – we're the only organization. There's not an American Family Association chapter here. There's not a Concerned Women chapter. There's not an Eagle yeah. Forum. We didn't run them out. They just aren't here. <laughs> um, but, but connect with good groups that you know um, that, that are, are up to date and, yes. and accurate on these issues so you can talk about them. The third thing is I would say make sure you are owning the people closest to you. What do I mean by that? Look, God's plan is that the foundational institution of society is marriage and family. 
this this ultimately is about whether or not we are creating strong Christian families, that marriages are strong and worthy of being emulated, right? So that the next generation generation wants to get married and um, and create families. But when we talk about these issues in the family structure, that is dynamite. Mm. Dynamite, because we're reaching the next generation. Yes. And, and I would say, you know, um, pray, pray like crazy. Uh, scripture tells us we're to pray for those that are in authority over us, right? Why? Yep. That they might, we might be able to lead a quiet and peaceable life in mm-hmm. all godliness. And secondly, that they would come to faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. If they vote right every single day that they're in an elected office and they go to hell because they re- they did not accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, we haven't won much. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we have our church ambassador network program and the guys are in today and they're going to go over to the Capitol with some pastors and they're going to work, mm-hmm. meet with legislators for one purpose, to pray with them, to present the gospel, to read scripture, to, to be a, a spiritual support, folks. Um, you know, praise God. Contact hey, your pastor about that. Jillian, you mentioned connecting with others. Um, and you've got ways at Wisconsin Family Action. People can connect with you on Twitter. Parlor, Instagram, and Facebook. And you also mentioned, you know, the church liaison um, individually. It, that can be a lonely job because a lot of, unfortunately, churches, uh, even pastors and people in churches think that politics is a dirty word and Christians should avoid it. And that means elections. Unfortunately, it's very naive and I believe irresponsible as to uh, our commandment to influence culture, to share the gospel, to be salt and light. Um, so I just want to mention that they can, there's many ways to connect with you. But briefly, we've just got four minutes left, but the study you guys put up at WisconsinFamilyAction.org, an 80-year Harvard study reaffirms what, if you've read, if you've read the Bible, <laughs> you, what we already know, and that family is so important to a person's happiness, their health, their overall life. This is an 80-year study. And it's like, uh, here's a headline. Well, it's not a headline to us, is it, Jelaine? Well, it's not, but I found that study fascinating. I did not know about it until the news broke on it here this re- recently that they'd been following these men for for 80 years and now, of course, their families. And, and what they found at ultimately was what makes us happy and healthy is good relationships, <laughs> <laughs> which which – well, we understand Christianity is built on relationship, right? Amen. I mean, Jesus. a relation, the most important relationship anyone can have is a relationship with God the Father through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, his son, right? That, that's the most important one. Mm-hmm. The earthly relationship that gives us what we need and makes us healthy and happy is that it begins at that family level. Those marriages and the, the children that come in biology, biologically or through adoption, um, those relationships are huge. And think about what, what the first thing that Jesus told us was the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And that second is like unto it. Mm-hmm. First of all, have a relationship with God. And secondly, have a relationship with your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And then he said, all the law and the prophets hang on this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not a theologian. All right. But that (laughs) that last part is staggering to me. Right. Hey, so that, Julian, is, is, is there a, a leftist alert going up there, out there in Madison? We hear this uh, ringing tone. Is what, What's going on there? I hear it too, but I don't hear anything. There's nothing ringing in any of my Is that where stuff. you're at or is that where we're – is that on our end? I think it might be on your end because I can't – I'm looking at everything around me. Nothing is ringing here. Yeah, we don't – 
Okay. I don't know yep, what that's, that is. That's Jenny. something in here. That's something. You're right. That's uh, something. One of some of our equipment is malfunctioning. We're about to be <laughs> be blown off the air. Um, well, let's let's focus now for the last two minutes. Let's just uh, remind people there is. Uh, it's not an election. It's primary leading up to the April election uh, in Wisconsin. I think Crash is going to find out what the problem is and what what is going off here. Um, so the election is today in Wisconsin. The Supreme Court of the state hangs in the balance. Jelaine, your your final encouraging words to believers in this area. Believers, if you're here in Wisconsin and if you haven't already voted, you have until 8 o'clock tonight to vote. I encourage you to vote. If you don't know who the candidates are and what they stand for, go to iVoterGuide.com. On the map on the homepage, click on Wisconsin, and you will see those four candidates with information about who they are and what they stand for. This is important. This is an opportunity for us to vote our values and to make a difference. Every election has consequences. Every vote in every election matters. Well, Jelaine, we need to get there. Really quick, um, you know, we don't endorse candidates technically, but who do you like? Well, I'll tell you who I voted for. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I voted for the only proven judicial conservative on the ballot, and that is... Oh, no, she cut out. Oh, that is unbelievable. Are you, are you still there? Oh, that's funny. Oh, that people are going to go, where? Who? 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 That's a cliffhanger. I think she's going to say Dan Kelly, but now I want to know. So we're going to have to get that answer. We're going to have to get that answer. She's going to give it to us, hopefully, during this break. (laughs) That was amazing. Hey, the suspense is killing us. There's people sitting in their cars, parked, not going into work, because they want to hear Jelaine's answer. (laughs) Who did she vote for? Anyway, we've got a lot more coming up. We're going to the public schools and more on Stand Up For The Truth next. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. Mayor, um, I was right. Uh, (laughs) Friends, we did connect with Jelaine during the break, and she did say she voted for... Okay, she (laughs) she voted for Dan Kelly. Uh, for the Wisconsin Supreme Court, oh, the only man. proven conservative, she says that's her opinion. So, um, and yeah, it, it, that's just who um, who I, I would think would be the one that Christians and conservatives would want to get in there. I like so. the little drama there, though. That was funny. That was great. That was really funny. You, you would think we planned that yes. for the. We're going to talk, talk. So, about the public schools. Do children belong to the parents, your family, or do they belong to the schools? Wow. There's actually a debate, and there has been a debate on for years. You know what the humanists and the Marxists and the communists want to do, right? The children, you're just part of the collective. They are just part of the, what do they call it? Um, uh, it, it takes, it takes a, a village. It takes a village. That's that was Hillary. Right. That was Hillary Clinton. That was Hillary. It yeah. takes a village to raise children. Yeah, not mine. And now, you might think, okay, well, I need help. I'm a single mom. That's different mm-hmm. from the government mm-hmm. coming in and, quote, educating, teaching values. And you know what value? You know there are godly values and there are demonic values. When you're talking about the left and we're talking about government-run education, what kind of values do you think that they're espousing in the public schools? Well, I want to mention uh, something we talked about. Uh, Jelaine was talking about how this is coming, and I said, no, it's here in schools across the country. 
I want to go back to something. We did a story on six months ago over at uh, stayeducated.org, the program Educated, in Keel, Wisconsin. Keel is a town of about 4,000, maybe a little bit less population. And yet, in their public schools, three eighth graders were suspended for not, they were refusing to use the gender, the pronouns for, uh, for one of their classmates who was claiming to have this gender identity, a transgender person, and three eighth grade boys were suspended because they didn't go along with it. That's in a little town in a little part of Wisconsin, USA. So don't tell me this is only in L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Atlanta, you know, in the, in the big, you know, city areas, Washington, D.C. No, this is in every part of the country. So um, what the left says to children behind their parents' backs I've just got a little more information. We're going to go to an article over at, is it Prophecy News? Prophecy, Prophecy Newswatch. Prophecy Newswatch yeah. that Mary found, a brand new article that's very relevant to our conversation today. But those on the left today, they've embraced the communist anti-nuclear family ideology. They want to break through our kind of uh, private idea that kids belong to, to parents and or kids belong to their families. And they want to recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Mm-hmm. And that would mean part in part government. So left-wing school administrators and teachers have infiltrated public school systems across the country, big city and rural areas, and they're allowing them the opportunity to indoctrinate their captive student audiences with these kinds of ideologies and propaganda. Now, public schools are enabling children, young children, and they're trying to reach, we have even did a story last week on a pre Pre-K through through 12. They're trying to reach kids at the youngest possible ages with these ideologies. They're openly saying, he had a t-shirt saying, I teach social justice. And this was a left wing. It was a trans guy, gal. <laughs> and uh, this was a, a an educator. Now, again, not all educators are left wing. I don't want to put them all in the same because there are some Christian. Uh, we have a couple insiders that report to us, one from Minnesota, one from Green Bay. They're different educators that let us know what kind of emails they're getting from the mothership and from uh, their um, union. So, Mary, I, w- I just want you to comment on this before we go to this article, that parents, <laughs> and, it, and to you and I, Mary, it seems redundant to be talking about this because we've tried, we've been trying to raise awareness for years. For me, it's going on decades that this hijacking of the major institutions in America has taken place. It the it been has been completed by the left. Mary, your thoughts? Mm-hmm. And before we get into this article, this article actually says no matter how much money you pour into our public schools, things aren't going to get any better. In fact, it's quite apparent that our absolutely pathetic system of public education is a big part of the problem. That's that's a good point to make because it's always the, the money is always the solution mm-hmm. to the teachers' right. unions, right? right? Send us more money. Right. Oh, we can't do a, a good enough job. We need more money to do a better job. Um, and yet, right. since the 1980s, when the one of the main guys, Bob Channon for the NEA, said that we we don't necessarily want the best interests of the kids. We we are about power, and money is what helps get us that right. power. And, and I paraphrase this quote. But it was shocking at that time in the 80s to hear this high-ranking guy from the teachers from the National Education Association say that they're not necessarily concerned about the, what's the best interest of, this, of the children. 
You're kidding me? Yes. Yeah, so. but, but it's out in the open. As, as we talk about, Mary, whether it's the World Economic Forum mm-hmm. or the globalists or the Democrats or the deep state or whoever, their words are out there. They're wide. They're what, hidden in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Hidden in plain sight. You can find them. They're on video. And they are open about it because I think, Mary, it's more and more often that they come out and say things that you and I would be going, wow, I can't believe he said that, said the quiet part out loud, because they know there's not enough resistance to what they are doing, their agenda. Right. Right. The shock factor is going to wear off. It has worn off, and it makes people more numb. It makes parents more numb. It makes makes Christians more numb. I, You know, something's got to... Fire on all cylinders before everything goes in the tank. Yeah. So this article is over at Prophecy Newswatch. Prophecy Newswatch. Yes. <laughs> PNW. Yes. Um, Thirteen numbers that show how dramatically we have failed America's children. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the first one. In a recent survey, forty percent of U.S. parents quote worry that their children struggle with anxiety or depression. We just did a story yesterday, and in fact, I should bring that up, on the, it, it has gone over like 200% increase, and I don't remember in that time frame, I think it's in the last five years, of depression and, and even suicidal thoughts or attempts in young, I think it was teenage girls, but it was girls, right. even more so than boys now. So this yes. is not this is not just something we're making up. These are studies. These are surveys. That, and this is what do you think, Mary? If 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 kids are being bombarded by Hollywood, uh, the entertainment industry, which is godlessness on steroids, mm-hmm. the what they're being fed in the public school system, it's not true education or true right. history. It's an ideology. What what do you think? They're being told that they there is no God and they don't have a purpose and their lives are just right. accidents and it's all about evolution and, right. and they better protect the climate. Who cares about human life? Right. Let's protect the, the planet. Uh, what are they going to think when it comes now they're doubting their gender? It's it's incredibly messed up. What can I say? And, and my, I'm just afraid for these kids. But I, Me the, too. how this article starts, it says the kids are not okay and it's time for us to face the truth. Amen. As long as I've been writing, surveys have shown that the mental health, and I'm going to talk about this for a second, of our young people has been steadily getting worse. But now we're learning that things really took an enormous turn for the worse during the pandemic. And mm. I want to talk about the mental health sure. aspect of it. Whatever it is a person's take is on mental health. Um Revelation 18 talks about um, you know, we living in a consumer society, and there's a list about all the merchandise that will be globally traded in the final days prior to when God judges. And the list ends with slaves and the souls of men. And mm-hmm. I've wondered about that for a long time, and I dug around, and I found that soul here in Revelation 18 is the Greek word for psyche. It's the natural internal workings of us. It's our state of mind. It's our humanity. So they do not only enslave humans bodily, and there's a lot of human trafficking and other things out there, but they steal their souls, and they destroy their stability and state of mind. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely believe this is true, because when you look at this list, uh, suicide uh, is the second leading cause of death for Americans between the age of 15 and 24. Actually, that's U.S. children. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. And number four, according to the recent Pew Research, uh, 46% of U.S. kids between 13 and 17 have experienced cyberbullying. Also, uh, 40% of U.S. high school students felt so sad or hopeless they were unable to do their regular activities. I mean, this okay. is... Go ahead. Let's talk about that because that's important. Why? Isolation mm-hmm. was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Also, 
fear of the unknown, this virus from Wuhan, China, right. that was spreading across the land. And then there, there's, there's all the controversy about how to treat COVID. That was, and then how, how did their parents react? Some kids will play off how their parents are responding right. to these cultural things, these trials, pressures, in this case of an unknown virus. And some parents are going, yeah, I didn't handle that very well. We were very fearful. And so the kids were going, right. my goodness, if mom and dad were freaking out, you know, so they, their hopelessness. So yeah, they were sad or hopeless. They didn't have connection with their friends or with, you know, their, their family members outside of their home, your relatives or whatever, even on holidays. It's, that was a tough year for everybody. Mm-hmm. It really was. And, and when you think about, the incredible impact this is having on an entire generation that is not easily, yeah. you can't reverse this necessarily, like you said. And I was thinking about this today before we even went on the air, is the, the responses of the parents who couldn't even decide on how to respond. They didn't seem to take the lead as adults yeah. or, or you know, yeah. biblically, you know, with a worldview. It, it was just an absolute disaster. Fear. Fear. fear, absolute abject fear. And the church should have nothing to do with that. Yeah. Hopefully the parents can keep the kids from being terrified, but... What a game changer the last couple of years have been. And it even talks in this uh, article here about uh, kids not even being proficient in math or reading at a, any grade level. Um, it's okay, just- now, Baltimore. It mentions Baltimore. We, we know <laughs> historically that's been one of the worst mm-hmm. cities for any kind of proficiency or accomplishment in, in the right. public schools. Baltimore is horrific, so is Chicago. Um, which brings us to the next one. But by, by the way, that said, 23 schools in Baltimore, not one single student is proficient in math. But in Illinois, home of Chicago, 30 schools, not one single student can read at grade level. This is at 30 schools in Illinois. That's not just Chicago. Is this mostly because of lockdowns and distance learning, or has this just been in place for this a long has time? Been, this has been decades. This is the epic if fail. You follow it, okay. I'll never – back in the uh, – 90s. John Stossel, when I, th- I think he was at ABC, he did a report on uh, the, the state of education in America. And I don't remember what it was called. It was a brilliant name. It was, it, it was like failures of the, of the education. But anyway, they were doing these stories on the, the reading and math and the declining test scores, mm-hmm. students not able to be just average even. That was in the 80s and 90s. Right. And here we are in 2023 now. Uh, back to this article from Prophecy News Watch. According to the CDC, uh, nearly 20% of all adole- adolescent female students experienced sexual violence in 2021. That's an odd one to throw in here, Mayor, when you're talking about the, the schools and uh, lack of education and isolation. And here, um, sexual violence. Now, I know there's different ways to describe that, but mm-hmm. that's interesting. Um, so evidently, if it's female students, I would say, it sounds like, if you can say 20%, that's quite a bit of adolescent female students. Um, why are the males lashing out? Why are they acting? On the, of course, we know that pornography is rampant. When you're here, I, got, I have a connection to make. When you're home during COVID and you can't go out anywhere, you're online all the time. Mm. So when you're online right. all the time, when you're a kid, you're going to find pornography because it will find you unless you have extremely strict right. parental controls. Go ahead, Mayor. Well, and just, just like the whole social media thing, because now yeah. you're finding your validation and your friendships yes. from people you don't even know. Exactly. Um, and I, I, my heart goes out to these 
these uh, statistics here, I know a lot of it is according to the CDC, so you have to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt, but still, <laughs> but still, and I think there were people that warned that this sort of pandemic, these extreme measures of lockdowns and masks were going to have solely or mental health issues yeah. for our kids. Nobody listened, and and the powers that be who were making all this happen didn't really even care. It's, it's a war on our children, and we've got to stay on yes. top of it. Guys, this has been going on for 50 yeah. years. We're just seeing some of the rotten fruit of what, yes. what was planted in the 70s, yeah. 80s, and 90s, and, and then the Internet age, and now it's all coming to fruition. Now, tw- almost a, a quarter of adolescent female students, 25% planned suicide in 2021. They made a suicide plan. Now, some didn't follow through. Some tried. This is horrific. This is almost a quarter of young female students. Mm-hmm. Now, that's sad. That means there's a level of hopelessness. There's a level of, I have no idea what to do with what's going on in the world around me. So, again, here's a reminder. How do we bring this back to the church? Here's a reminder that we have the answers, and it is the Word of God and primarily Jesus. Jesus. Here's an opportunity where people are at their the lowest, and I'm not talking about just, just young students in schools, adults, Americans. I mean, people worldwide. Fear was one of the main issues over since COVID hit in 2020. So here's an opportunity for the church. Come on in, friends. We have the solution. Mm-hmm. We have the answers to what you're dealing with. Even though this world is going to you-know-what and you-know-where, we know that we have a hope. We have assurance. We have assurance of salvation because Jesus is the truth, because of who he is, who God is, and what he promised. Mm -hmm. And this is the message of the gospel, that he loves people enough to send his son to die for for their sins, for our sins. And I don't know that the church rose to that challenge Mm -hmm. In the COVID, since the COVID they were years, closed. a lot of them were closed. Well, so, the, the government deemed us non-essential, well, though, so of course right, we had to right, close. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I'm you kidding, want to do, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The other thing you want to do is, I know teens can be surly on any given day about any given thing, right. including what's for lunch. But right. parents need to keep <laughs> in tune. Read your kids. Don't be intimidated by your mm. kids. Lead them. Yes. Read where they're at. Ask them if they need anything. Mm-hmm. Find out where they're at. They're probably hurting to the point where they would love to just talk to you. Mm. Um, let, you know, draw, draw them out. You remind them you love them and care for them and you're concerned for them. And I think that parents don't lay down on the job, you know, be proactive with your kids. So number 13, and we could go on and on, but they mm. just mentioned 13 indicators here was the proportion of adolescent female students that actually attempted suicide in that year, one year. That was 2021. Oh. 60% higher than a decade ago. So friends, is everything getting more organized and and improving and getting better in life like the evolutionists will tell you? No. No, I mean, this is 60% higher than 10 years earlier. So things are not getting better. People are not... um, Anyway, so there's proof here. So there's nothing normal about these numbers. That's a no, point that's made. And there's some commentary in the article after that. I don't know if you want to point out anything that jumped out at you, Mayor, but um, no, we can move not, on. Yeah, we can. We can Let's just that. move on to one one more article, and then we've got to get to this uh, Biden surrendering American sovereignty. That's important, but we've, we're running out of time. 
article over at the WashingtonStand.com, 87% of books, 87% of books that were removed from Florida schools, meaning schools, curriculum, libraries, were pornographic, violent, or inappropriate. Data shows. This is one state now, but don't look down your nose at Florida. This is going on in every state across the country. Maybe not so bad in, um, I don't know, Utah um, or you know North Dakota. I'm, I'm hoping they're a bit more on top of this and conservative and, and, and really trying to protect kids as far as what is allowed in public schools, in the libraries. Friends, this has been a big issue. Mary, you said something about um, drag queens and libraries, or maybe that was Jelaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we are now back to the library. Now, we're not talking about public libraries. Now we're talking about libraries inside schools. Who makes the decision what books are allowed in there? Well, it's certainly not you. It's not me. It's not our pastors. It's not the parents. It's the agenda-driven educators, the progressive, mm-hmm. those who want to get these young children indoctrinated with, with diversity, equity, inclusion, and the LGBTQ plus agenda and ideology. They want to get this out. So you... Why can't you remove it, Mayor? That's a question. If it's pornographic, why can't you take it out? Well, censorship is mm-hmm, one thing. Mm-hmm. But another thing is they put it under the guise of uh, education on bullying, education on sex ed, right, right. sex ed, because LGBTQ, you know, that, I mean, you've got to understand how different people are different things and we have different bodies and it's all perversion. It's depravity. Right. It is. It is, exactly. And and uh, media outlets, it says, like the Washington Post, have suggested that Florida is criminalizing nebulously defined books in schools, forcing teachers to get rid of all their books to avoid prosecution. So, of course, Book they're going to knee-jerk, you know, <laughs> as far as crazy as we can get kind of response, instead of being responsible for felonious actions um, because they're afraid, well, everything's going to be a felony now. But no, it's pornographic material. And my goodness, I, I think of my life, you know, growing up, and none, of, most of what we talk about would never have been on our event horizon in no. any way, shape, or form. So like you said, the big question is, how did we get here? How is there pornography in school libraries? I, I read Little uh-huh. House on the Prairie. Okay, yeah. in school library. This yeah. is insanity. Yep, so it's in there, friends. I just Maybe that's a, a caution and encouragement and a warning. Mm-hmm. If you've got children in the government-run schools, um, you know it's in your son or daughter's library. It's in there. Yeah. You just got to go and do a little research and, and find it. But I, <laughs> there's so much. It's not just in the library. It's in right. the curriculum. Right. It's in the classroom. If you have a Christian son or daughter, do you think they're being influenced at all by their peers? As well, because the, now the, the cool thing is to be LGBTQ, to be non-binary, whatever else they're promoting. That's the cool thing now. You can see it. Friends send me pictures of L, uh, rainbow posters and, and all things affirming in the hallways or sometimes in the trophy cases of, of these middle schools, junior highs, high schools. It's across the country, friends. So if you, it's not just in the curriculum. It's not just what the teacher says. It's not just in the sex ed class. It's not just in the libraries of your public schools. It's in the hallways. It's on the, your, your son or daughter's friend's iPhone. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be able to get them away from it unless, I'm sorry, guys, I, unless you pull your kids out. And the one, number one thing is the response is usually, well, I, I, we pay taxes. 
our taxes are going to the public schools. Why should I pull them out and pay to go send them somewhere else? All right, well, let's let's see if that will hold any water 20 years from now when you see where your son or daughter ends up. You have to count the cost, too. It's just money. And you don't put money above your kid's soul. Mm-hmm. And and the obsession with perversion in in among it, children today. It is an obsession. Good it word. It is just... It's just hard for me to wrap my head around that, but here we are. It's sad. Now, we don't have time to address this, Mayor. Maybe we'll have to pick this up on the next podcast. But uh, there's an article over at uh, Gateway Pundit, and the Gateway Pundit, end of American sovereignty, uh, Biden regime. Basically, they want to circumvent the U.S. Constitution because they can. Mm -hmm. Uh, The regime is about to surrender America's sovereignty to the World Health Organization, the WHO, and give them full control over future pandemic Policy. I guess we are going to have time to get through this. Negotiations between the regime and the WHO over the last year have produced what's now being known as Biden surrendering this. Um, the Health and Human Services, HHS, uh, department secretly submitted proposed amendments to, quote, strengthen WHO preparedness for and response to health emergencies. So this is a plan. Uh, this is a plan in place now. Uh, it, the international body. Oh, go ahead, Mary. I'll let you comment on it because we've got a minute. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's it's an international body. They're unelected bureaucrats. Yeah. Now you have a technocracy instead of politicians that have been elected, duly elected. Uh, they can define what constitutes a pandemic, when when it's in progress, yeah. how long it's going to last, how to prevent, detect, and respond, whether they can lock you down, whether you will wear a mask the rest of your life, whether you will get vaccinated. Um, and this this was already in place uh, back in uh, 05. Mm-hmm. And this is just an amendment, and all the nations will probably sign on to it, and there we will be. Yep. Now, once a health emergency is declared uh, and every signatory signs it, including the U.S., mm-hmm. then we must submit to the authority of the World Health Organization. This includes caving to them on treatments, lockdowns, vaccine mandates, and government surveillance. You are here. We are here because they are allowing this because, um, well, this is what the administration, current administration, is getting away with. It's all about control. Because there's no, uh, certainly no accountability from the media. They're not reporting on this as they would if it were a Republican president. So, friends, um, guys, remember, we got to stay in the Word of God because that's where we're going to have our balance and our sanity and remember that we are we are on the solid rock of Christ, an unshakable God, when the world around us is shaking in, in every way um, and immorality is rampant. This is just where we're living today and what the culture that we're in. But that doesn't mean that God was, is surprised by it. And it doesn't mean that he's, he's up there going, pacing and going, whoa, wow, I, I had these people born for such a time as this, and I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to handle all that's going on. Right, right. Well, no, he's yeah. not wringing his hands. Right. He's, no. he's going, okay, this was his, in his sovereignty. We are here. Yep. So tomorrow, we're going to revisit Freemasonry with Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel, Lakeville, Illinois. His dad was a Freemason, and then he became a pastor. And I believe it was a small Baptist church. We'll hear that story. Jonathan Brentner. On Thursday, and I go to Harbinger's Daily and catch up on some of his recent excellent articles. And the busy mom, Heidi St. John, uh, will get with her and catch up on Friday. Well, friends, we really appreciate you tuning in. And as always, sharing the podcast, God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.